0: grow, sell, and retire is the podcast for the lazy overachiever. BD Dalton, author of The Assisted Purchase, True Gravity, and Grow, Sell, and Retire is here to give his 25 years of secrets, tips, and assistance to take your business to the next level. This podcast is for anyone who wants to sell more, work less, and make better business. Now, here's your host, BD, with today's GSR Podcast.
1: Hey everybody, BD Dalton here. Growth, Sell, and Retire podcast, giving you some secrets for the lazy overachiever. Today, I'm joined by Richard Blank. We're going to talk about lots and lots of things around sales, international travel, having fun, and even talk a little bit about pinball. So, Rich, welcome to the show, Richard. I'll say because we talked about that ahead of time. Richard, welcome to the show.
2: BD, so happy to be here. Love your show. Your audience is great. And I think I'm going to be able to share some gems today to be able to help grow their business.
1: Awesome. So it's an international podcast. I think I've had about 35 different countries. Um, where are you talking to me from today?
2: I am in beautiful Central America in a country, Costa Rica. Costa Rica. Awesome. Central America. It's, it's beautiful here. Tropical weather and the cost of living and the people are great. There's an expression here, Pura Vida which means pure life. And so I've decided for the last 23 years of my life to live here, marry a local girl, princess of my dreams, start a business here and build a life here. So it's a story of twists and turns that does have a very happy ending.
1: Awesome. Um, we also had some some background that, that we didn't even know about until we, until we researched it. But um, you spent some time in Spain. I spent some time in Spain. So tell me
2: a little bit about your escapades. What took you to Spain and, and running around the world? Excellent. Well, when I was back in Northeast Philadelphia at the Proud Abington High School, I graduated and decided to become a Spanish major. I did not fall into the pressures of career expectations of, let's say, medicine, law, engineering. I didn't have the grades nor the maturity or the structure. So I followed my passion. And I believed that if I were bilingual, it'd make me marketable. At least me out of all my friends could speak Spanish. And so at Arizona, I interned for Telemundo for a couple of years, but my junior year From 93 to 94, I spent in in Spain, and I did not come back to the United States during Christmas break. That's another story and podcast altogether. I went as far as Prague, as far south as the Pink Palace in Corfu, north of Amsterdam and Copenhagen, and as far west as as Tangier. But besides those travels, I lived in El Puerto de Santa Maria, which was Cadiz. I spent some time in Madrid, and then I finished in Sevilla, the University of Sevilla, That was the best year of my entire life. Sevilla is a beautiful
1: town. (laughs) Sevilla is a beautiful town. Crazy, crazy times when you're there for ferias and everything else. here's
2: Here's the thing. When you're 21, the parties are there all day, every day. And I was one of the few cats that would wake up early or take that extra couple hours to go visit some ruins, to go see a museum. To really enrich myself with some history. So instead of being forced to do it on a Sunday with your dad when you want to go play baseball or something, this was for me. And I, and I really felt like I was shedding a skin and becoming born again. I, the world did not just revolve around the United States. So it really opened my mind to essence and about experience. So to answer your question, my good friend, in a roundabout way. Uh, how did I get here with international travel? When you get that bug, you just want to keep doing it. But as long as you get positive reinforcement, you are able to continue to do it because obviously you're doing something right.
1: That's awesome. So now tell me, now you end up in Costa Rica. You've got a massive call center business, but you also talk to people about language and linguistics and sales and and expanding their the vocabulary so that they can be more engaging. So, tell me a little bit about
2: how you got into that. Well, it's very simple. When I first came here in August of 2000, I worked at my friend's center for four years, but not at sea level So, interesting enough, it was almost my graduate school. Learned the business from the inside out, multiple departments, and also English second language individuals being onboarded, concentrating, converting, and producing. And I also got to hear the gripes, and the good and the bad, and the happy and the sad. So, I kind of really learned exactly what makes people tick. And so in my mid-30s, I had the capital of maturity and the impulse control to throw my hat in the ring. But instead of competing with the likes of Amazon and the larger centers of the tens of thousands with deep pockets and all the bells and whistles, I went old school BD. I figured if you know somebody's name and you extend empathy, I take it a step further. I have a game room so we can play pinball and air hockey together. But then I focus on this delicate second language you've invested your dedicated practice and time. And so we focus on a thesaurus. We expand on strategic and diplomatic vocabulary. I'll give you the best example. This is the starting point for your audience with their thesaurus search. You have a word help and people use it all the time and it's okay, but it also provokes ego defense. So I believe in same message, different delivery. I would suggest using words like assist, guide, or even better, lend a hand, because you get the double-double. Non-visually, you get the visual. Because if you incorporate and utilize visual, you know, image streaming, you have descriptions, you have adjectives, you have colorful speech, painting versus print. So you can tap into this metaphysics while you are removing three of your senses on the phone, be day Even three of the senses of you and I sitting In front of one another, there's no taste, touch or smell. We can't share the pizza, right? Yeah. But if you eliminate the sight, the hearing should be expanded, as the scientists say. But it's also timing. A lot of your audience is future or past. You really should be in the now and be the, be the genius, the spontaneous artist, like a Robin Williams. That we use exactly what was in the environment to incorporate in his environment, almost like James Bond grabbing something on the side that he didn't bring with himself to save the day and to protect himself. And so you really need to look around. Ferris Bueller had the best quote about looking around because life moves pretty fast. And so I believe in checkpoints and 30 second to two minute intervals. And there is turn taking, there is listening and, re- and readjustments, BD. And if you can do these things, a little at a time equals a lot in the end. So don't expect 10 minutes. That's a 10-round fight. BD's not giving that to you. Richie's got to earn it round by round. And that's why we use transitional sentences and engagement, active listening. We clarify compared to, excuse me, it's for my clarification, BD. So when you're
1: you're going through this, and I'm just... You're you're in full flow. I want to make sure we can break it back down to. And you're passionate, and people. This is audio, so you didn't even see. Rich hit me about four times. I got two left hooks and an uppercut right right through that whole thing. But when when you're when you're talking about this, so people don't like, to, especially Brits, don't like to be called salespeople. I mean, I know sales is a bad word, and I, I it, but everybody's selling every day. You're you're engaging and pulling people with you or dragging people to a place where they probably need to be and sure. I think your language is awesome. So if we if we're trying not to be that uh salesperson, the the patent leather shoes and and that you're talking yeah. about language. So in the first 30 seconds, if I'm trying to engage somebody and you're doing it on the phone or you have something where you know it's going to be a uh, thing where where
2: do you take me with this the visualizations you just walked me through. Thank you so much for the first 30. Prior to getting to that, let's, let's have fun for a second. I always believe in play. We'll go cool. to dessert first. Imagine a dessert tray. I roll it out. Obviously, hopefully, assertively, a sale is going to be made. So I bring out 10 items that are stacked at different levels, different types of pastries. So then what I do? I allow you to either choose, obviously, you're excited, or I may need to explain each one, one by one, and not rush the 10 because I don't know if you like pineapple or not or chocolate or strawberry. Everyone needs to calm down. So I can also describe A, B, and C and then give you a chance to react in a positive or negative way. And let's just say worst case scenario, B, D. I go through every bit of dessert. And from an educated point of view, you make the decision. I raked it. I offered it. I explained it. I just didn't take your face and shove you in it. That's Mm -hmm. what people do. No shoving faces, no twisting arms or forcing hands. But if they allow you, to go the distance and literally explain the top of that cake to the bottom of the cake and everything in the middle with a smile and presentation as they used to do on the prices, right? Like Kathleen Bradley did. Then I believe all means then take your chances. And it's your fault that you didn't present it good enough. Or by deduction, you realize the guy just doesn't like strawberries. Move on. And so my belief is it's your decision. And so if you think that's selling, then don't eat my dessert. But you're sitting there looking at it. Don't don't hold me back if I say, BD, you look like you enjoy strawberries. Or don't blame me if I'm smiling or I'm trying to enjoy my job. What, what do you want me to do? Come out pissed? Start cursing? Or say it all it looks terrible? I mean, what do you expect from me? Why are you so jaded? And why did Hollywood make these people look like buffoons? A lot of people earn a living by offering their goods. You, you, my friend, you offer your podcast for listeners. I listened to it. I did it gratis. And it inspired me so much that I wrote you. And there was no money exchange. It was just time. So I think that people need to readjust their masses. I think if they're forcing a sale, they'll smell it. But I think if you're willing to have a romantic death and be the tarot fool card and potentially while sniffing a rose, looking at the sun, walking off a cliff, then I think your presentations will be so separate from others because it'll be more authentic. They'll be raw. You'll really be in the moment. And don't be surprised, like myself, that you're not sitting on a company that's been in business for 15 years. I mean, the stars were aligned and I, I work hard for this. I don't have that sort of Harvard degree that people might expect. I did it through old school by knowing your name and walking the rows, and, and you see my passion right now. Imagine if we sat next to one another, BD, mm-hmm. and you got off one of the greatest phone calls ever. You don't think I'll be the first guy giving you five and buying you pizza at lunch?
1: It'd be um, awesome. So in that... it. So going, like, rewinding that bit, it's, do you believe in what you're bringing to the market? I mean, if you've 100%. got the 10 best desserts, I think, if, if somebody thinks they're a salesperson and and whatever we want to call it now is not a, a solution provider, and sure. then you're trying to, so do you think that part of that mental thing is, they're, they're just, I don't want to be the salesperson, I want to be the product provider, but I don't know how to get the dance started, or I don't know... How okay. to
2: continue the dance? Ethically, someone has to feel comfortable making a call. That's why I don't do sports books, casinos, stocks, pharmacies, or sweepstakes. It is a strict Catholic country. I have to ensure people can go home and tell their parents what they do for a living. Yes. So, so, so don't blame the center. Blame the agent that accepts the bad account. Because mm-hmm. if nobody accepts it, there's no friends at a Chuck E. Cheese birthday party, and they go out of business. Yep. So that's number one. Number two, like. Give my call center an example. I can do outbound sales. I can do outbound lead generation appointment setting. I can do inbound customer support. I can do back office non-voice support. We can do IT support. We can do web design. So in essence, it's really about a service. The dessert tray is really your taste. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that there's so many flavors for ice cream once again? And why are there so many different colors of cars? And you might dislike a taste of music, but somebody loves it. And so for me, it's very humbling. Not everybody loved the A-Team and Remington Steel. Those are some of my favorite shows back in the day, but some people don't even remember them. Uh, so it, you you need to respect other people's tastes. And, and so for me, as long as it's ethically with good intentions and good faith, I, I will try to represent it in the best light. And that is my decision now. If somebody says, listen, I just ate a huge dinner. I want a little something, something for dessert. I'm not going to stack and pack you with a big cake. You might go with a little slice of something or something nice. And, and so, I mean, when waiters give suggestions, that's real. It's almost like when people step out of the screen and they become real people during interviews, you, you kind of want to see if somebody is real and if they're just not rehearsed. And so, I'd like to suggestions of the kitchen and of my call center and giving metrics and things like that.
1: So, rehearsed. So, when whenever I'm working with, with our teams and we're, we're talking about um, the sales engagement or the client engagement, things like that, um, do, you, do you use key points, bullet points? I'm not saying a call script, but do you use things that bring you back on, bring them back on where they can put their own flair in? Um, whenever you're doing it or whenever the team's
2: doing it. I forgot to mention your 30 seconds before. Let me work that with you. Prior to the 30 seconds, you have your first impression. Really, I could say, hi, good morning, BD, right? Or I could say, hey, how's BD's podcast doing today? <laughs> you know, you're asking about the company's name first. We consider that almost mystery shopping, it's a neutral. Mm-hmm. And the person that might be a filter or gatekeeper, if someone is called there a thousand times and knows the gatekeeper compared to a first-timer, you feel comfortable walking in the door. Mm-hmm. And so really, it's just a tone of confidence. Am I lying? No, I'm just saying the name of your company better than the person that answered the phone did. Mm-hmm. So if you want to talk about phone Olympics, I just beat you. So then they ask who I am. And that's usually when we use... Well, your audience can't see it, but it's a buffer boomerang technique. It's a readjustment of a tone. We like to do name drops. We like to repeat your question, let you know it's a great question, and then we send it back in a positive way. Mm -hmm. Your name, your company's name, what do you offer? So if someone says, What's your name? Richard Blank. What's the name of your company? Costa Rica's Call Center. What are we in? Third grade? Get yelled at by Mr. Jackson during recess yeah. <laughs> and go on. And so I think the most important thing is, is to readjust their tone because it's not their fault, BD, but people are black and blue from stiff. Mm-hmm. They're black and blue on SIRs and checking off boxes and asking qualifying questions so they don't get fired that day so they can turn into their supervisor named Billy, 10 potential leads that don't even remember the call. Compared to me, where all of a sudden I hear a dog barking in the background and then I will immediately anchor with you, one of many anchors. I will ask you your dog's name, the breed, and how old is your puppy? And that's the sort of thing where you will inadvertently and passive realize that it's a you know, distracting the call and you can't hear. Mm-hmm. And you'll put it outside, you'll come back, and we talk about your dog for a couple minutes. So then when Billy... Making that warm call to BD off of Richard's call in the notes section. I'm going to let him know to mention Fluffy and Mm -hmm. ask how the nine-year-old puppy's doing. You know, did you go for a walk this week in the park? Because he loves the park. And then all of a sudden, it's a great chance for Billy to first say hello to your gatekeeper, who I gave a positive escalation to prior to a transfer. I always mention the gatekeeper in a positive light when I get transferred. They give me the pass to pitch. And I also BD, I do it in writing because it separates me from other prospectors. And also when I call back the company, it gets back to the person answering the call. They will thank me and they will usually give me additional company culture information, such Mm -hmm. as direct uh, extensions or anniversaries, promotions, and so what it's doing, my, my good friend, and it's doing it through Wu Wei naturally. It's just, it's adding momentum and, and you're asking me intelligent questions and you, you, you run a great podcast and I wish I had a million dollar cracked code for your people. But how do you crack a code on natural? You just take the time to know somebody's name and you compliment them and you let the boss know how great someone is and how long they've been working with the company and you, and you do some due diligence. Look at a LinkedIn profile website. Look at their photographs and their loading docks and their second locations. And if you, yo be know, BD, if you called me and you talked about my neon lights, Art Deco building, pinball machines, and jukeboxes, I would give you five minutes. Yours to lose. You can do whatever you want. It's romper room. Yep. <laughs> you know, as long as you don't twist my arm. And it's just the fact that you took a little, little time to custom make an email, to custom make a voicemail, to, to let them know that they're just not a sir in a 44th call of that day. You're taking each call at a time. And so when you slow down, and you don't make 100 calls a day. You make 84, but your talk time goes more. Your conversions go more. And you don't need to give your manager excuses on why you're not producing. So the
1: the background and the things that you get and the, the deeper you go, um, so when you're you're calling or somebody's calling and getting it to the second call or the third call, does it go from one person and then hand it on to another team member and then hand it on to a client, or what does it typically feel like? Because if we're doing this internally, different than a call center, so we're walking through a progress. Is the the door's opened by somebody and then taken, reopened by the same person or do you hand it on to the next person to say, oh, well, Bill told us or Richard told us about the amazing Fluffy and this happened and then out to the client? Or how does it typically
2: progress with you guys? Well, when someone contacts me, they get me directly. And then I
1: just- No, I mean, if you're doing it for clients or if we're going through the sales process- Oh, if we're doing I'm this with my clients. sales, I'm,
2: work- I'm working with my- oh, it, If it, any if time this thing progresses and gets to any department, even if you get passed around before getting to the correct person, those things are great yes. because once again, no one is mentioning Billy in the mailroom and Kathy in accounting. And, and so it gives you a chance because they never get the call to be exceptionally polite and interested in the company. And then they might say, listen, BD is always busy on Tuesdays. Best thing is to try them on Wednesdays at four. You're like, Kathy, thank you so much. And you don't think when I say, BD, I spoke to Kathy. How'd you get Kathy? She's been with me for 12 years. Kathy's the greatest. She told me about the Little League game last week. I mean, it's you ask why. Well, you gave me the clues. It's you that's giving me. The more that I talk, I don't know. (laughs) And so I I just want to be passed around. I want to be respectful of your time. I want to make sure if I'm leaving proper voicemails... That I custom make this stuff and I give credit where credit is due. And so how do these things progress? Well, they need to give you the time. That's what they need to do. And on my end, or on even on your end, you should have pre launch checklists. You should give people certain open-ended questions to at least get confirmations of time and information, which will at least show you that you've progressed. And That's, where,
1: that's why so there, there's where I want to go. So how, how about some of your your favorite? open ended questions that have brought you to something and then the second the second part of that is what is your favorite question you've ever been asked so a couple of open ended questions that you think are amazing and really open up that can and then one question that you've been asked that said wow i can't believe anybody asked me that question this is great let me tell you everything
2: well obviously you're dealing with learned and accomplished and Educated people. Mm-hmm. So I, I can't outsmart them or out them with a question, but I will out uh, spiritual them. I will ask them about their vision quest. Why did they do this to begin with? There's a thousand. You're so flexible. Why this? Why in, why in the trucking industry? Why in the solar power industry? Where, where are you looking to pay it forward? Because obviously you could have done this anywhere. Mm-hmm. That's a great open
1: ended compliment. And
2: yeah successful and great stuff. Because I would like someone to ask me that question. I did it because I loved languages and then languages could be everywhere and anywhere. It's flexible. So I I, I don't know, but it also gauges the person's ability to have depth with me because character is judged during chaos. And if this individual can't zig and zag and open up with me, what happens if there's a situation and I need to make that phone call with a solution? I, I don't need some guy yelling at me or insulting me or, or doing some sort of low blows or something. I, I don't need people writing in red and mm-hmm. I don't need overzealous supervisors cursing or insulting the people here that may have a different company culture. And so there's a lot of engagements to see if, since I am in Central America with an English second language culture, does it work mm-hmm. with what they're looking to do? Because by default, I've had to reject more campaigns than accept, either because of language capacity, 24-hour support, maybe the rates that they get offshore in India and the Philippines. No one could work for that here with their benefits. Yes. And so as much as they want to do business with me, I'm letting them know it's just not possible. And Mm -hmm. as much as I offer it, no one's going to take it. And if they do take it, you're going to lose them. And so who wants that sort of relationship? And so being forthright sometimes, and a lot of it, BD, has to do with maturity. Being that individual, not a naysayer, you could do it strategically. You could let them know how I'm able to do this with this to make sense to them. Mm -hmm. And um, But it's disappointing because people have certain expectations. They think that if you just hire 10 people and give me a subpar script, And a really bad list that these people can make them $100,000 that month. I mean, come on, man. These are your soldiers. You got to give them arrows. I mean, this is ridiculous. At least. At least arrows, if not bullets. It's like, come on, guys. So, VD, let me ask you a question, my main man. Your best friend at the dance always gave you some gum, fixed your hair, and fixed your tie. That's your best friend. And they let you know how to be cool and smooth. And when I'm dealing with the people here, I let them know not what's in the kitchen. I'm just letting them know preventative measures, things that may come up and, and what we should do about them. Simple things, things that can easily be resolved. I just want to gauge to see how we would work together like Lennon and McCartney. Does, does it work, BD? That's where I think the best relationships are when there's a natural fit.
1: hmm And so what's, uh, when you're looking at bringing people in and teammates, team members, um. What's What are your three main culture points that you, you're looking for in your culture, in your team members that come in and are working for you?
2: Number one, and I have to do this, it's English proficiency. It needs to be at least 85%. Now, I'm willing to take an accent with great grammar and vocabulary. I see that as a beauty mark. Look at Ricardo Montalban on Fantasy Island. He was the Superman. And so... Um, I'm really looking for somebody that has something different because mm-hmm. I see exactly what they write on their resumes and it's enough for them to be qualified, obviously, but it's also the same. And these projections of growth and supervision and company loyalty, fidelity, you name it. Well, that's great. I don't even know you. So why don't we do this, BD, but thank you. Turn your paper over and why don't you write me three paragraphs of a coming of age moment. Mm -hmm. I want to know when you beat up a bully or when you saved a kitten out of a tree. Or if you did both in one day, Mm -hmm. I want to know. Why? Because when you're on the phone with a gentleman like BD, who's at the top of his game, he might ask you before giving you a $100,000 contract, hey, Rich, why don't you tell me a coming of age moment before I really do business with you? Tell me who you are really, man. Tell me about your passion of life. Tell me what you did to get back up or move forward. And so I see things and I read things, but then I really see something. And to answer your question, my good friend, as long as they're willing to disclose without prying, and they're willing to make themselves vulnerable in order to be powerful, then by all means, I see a a squire to a knight, someone that's a definite long-term player with excellent habits, not bad habits, people we can mold. Yeah. And, and, And so I've been in this game long enough to see the song and the dance and the mercenary sounds great and they're great on the phone, but they don't last long. It's, it's the individuals that gives you roots Mm -hmm. and and the ones that, as I mentioned before, break bread with you, play the games, are are capable of being coached. Um, Those are the phenomenal individuals that have been able to sustain this business for so long.
1: That is awesome. That is really good. And what are you listening to or reading right now that keeps you excited, happy, um, engaged, obviously, when you're not at home with your amazing princess or when you are and you're
2: relaxing. So what are you reading or listening to? Man, that's a tough thing. Well, reading is a chore. So I do a lot of audio books. Cool. What are you listening to then? Uh, Well, I'm all over the place. I mean, I'll go from, you know, certain Greek mythology to, you know, murder, mystery, and mayhem.
1: Well, isn't that <laughs> the same thing? The Greek mythology is murder, mystery, and mayhem, isn't but it? I, but was... I, like,
2: I like people's biographies. I like knowing when they had their 80 years. And I like knowing when people took long shots. But I want to know the truth. I, I don't want to know that someone was born into it and had started on third base. I think that's cool, too, as long as they presented. But it's those that really drank life and and maybe were trendsetters in a sense, or stood behind their artwork, or stood behind their thoughts, if I did or did not agree with it, the fact that someone put their shoulders back, chin out, and chest up and and, and really was living for something is, is a beautiful thing. And you know what's, what's cool? We grew up where tattoos were for sailors and Popeye and stuff like that, And it took maybe a generation to get accustomed to it with professionals that may have tattoos. And to me, I I think it's one of the greatest forms of self-expression because I've seen people put family on there and other sort of symbolisms. And, you know, I I believe that people should live and let live. And if this is something that gives them like a lucky stone or coin to rub, but they needed it on their body to Mm -hmm. remind them to be positive. I think it's great. And I think if somebody has their hair a certain way, piercings a certain way, dresses a certain way, any sort of expression to me in this crazy world of circles, I think it's phenomenal. And you ask me this question because sight unseen a lot of my agents here. You would never ever match their beautiful, perfect, sweet voice to what you would see, <laughs> not saying it's good or it's bad, but the misconceptions, the, 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 maybe the predispositions of someone's education or background, but they really sound like artists of speech. But if you looked at them, you, you, you would maybe, depending on who you are, think differently. So my good friend, that, that opened my eyes. To multiple things, A, the fact that individuals can work in this position and literally do it in their t-shirt and underwear if they want to. No one can see you. Yeah. But secondly, it just gives you the chance to be whoever you are, whenever you are. And since some of the names here are exotic or unique and just very nice names, but they may not be Anglo-Saxon. So in order to make a certain first impression, Esteban might be Stephen, Ricardo Mm -hmm. might be Richard. You know, Fabian, Frank. I mean, it's things like that. And they're okay with that because it's, as I mentioned before, my good friend, it's putting on that mask and getting into character and, and being brave, like a hockey goalie when they put on their equipment.
1: That is cool. Okay, Richard Blank, where do we find out
2: more about you? Yeah, you buy a first-class plane ticket when it gets super cold up there in Great Britain, you come visit me. <laughs> there, <you know? laughs> but, uh I got a huge Facebook fan page of 116,000 local Costa Rican Ticos. And when this goes live, B, D, you get a tons of new fans. But real quick, it'll, it'll give your amazing international audience a real grasp of the business processing outsourcing industry in Central America. Now, real quick, we're north of Panama, south of Nicaragua. We're the only democratic society in Central America. There's no standing army, DD. so they put all of their money back into education and they boast a 95% literacy rate. They claim to have the most neutral English accent, the best infrastructure in Central America. So companies such as Amazon, HP, Intel, and Oracle, they're here. We're known for medical tourism, ecotourism, and if you're a fan of surfing, We have some of the best surfing beaches in the world, Hermosa Malpais, and they filmed a couple movies here: "The Endless Summer" and uh, "Surf School." (laughs) So, uh, it's good stuff. But I moved here to not lose myself or find myself. I was given a a one-in-a-million opportunity, and I—your audience has to know that sometimes you have to get past your parents' guilt. You may need to be selfish and think of living your life instead of the lives of others. Do your due diligence, dip your toe in, test things prior to doing 100%, like I do with languages. And if you take these long shots, you might live a life. And I don't know, BD, I always wanted to leave a castle to slay a dragon and save a princess. <laughs> Isn't that what we always wanted to do? And I had that opportunity, and at 27, I, I made that decision At 18, I made that decision to learn the Spanish. And so a lot of it was thanking my younger self for being true to myself and also forgiving myself. Because as a little boy, I might have taken a candy bar from the store at five years old at a 50-year-old man. I would go back, put a five spot on the counter, look at the owner and just say, we're good (laughs) and walk out. And the guy wouldn't even know who I am, but... You you change, you grow up, and I think that's okay. And as long as you can accept all the stages of life you are in, and your audience can't see our beautiful bald heads that we
1: yes, have, no, there's, no, there's no hair, there's no hair at this dance. There's <laughs> definitely no hair at this dance. If you
2: ain't bald, you ain't getting in. <laughs> that's right. That's <laughs> true.
1: Richard, it's the been amazing smile. to chat with you.
2: And love life and go on shows like BD and don't ask for money. Just pay it forward and put wind in his sails and enjoy your time. And if you do things not as a commissioned artist, but just by a free spirit, then I believe that good things will come to you, including riches. And if that's what you're looking for, that's what you get. But eventually one day you're going to get bored of it and you're going to be a millionaire in a mansion by himself. And so you need to really get out there. Put your phone down and live more life, BD.
1: Cool. Richard Blank, thank you very much for coming on the Grow, Sell, and Retire podcast. It's been awesome having you on. Gracias un montón, tío.
2: Eso fue un tiempo buenísimo por vida desde Costa Rica.
0: Gracias. Hasta pronto. Thanks, guys. Grow, Sell, and Retire out. Thanks for joining us on Grow, Sell, and Retire. For more information, tools, or to book one of our team members to work with your team, business, or to speak at your event or conference, visit Rockfind.co.uk. If you like the podcast, you'll love one of BD's three books, The Assisted Purchase, True Gravity, and the book the podcast is based on, Grow, Sell, and Retire. If you want to work for the rest of your life, that is your business. If you don't, that is ours.